You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. Welcome to Now Hear This. I'm your host, Chris Spangle. Now Hear This is a conversation with leaders in Indianapolis that are working to improve the lives of Hoosiers. Our goal is to empower you to join in their work and make a difference while informing you about the unseen aspects of life in Indiana. If you miss an episode, you can listen via podcast at nowhearthisindy.com. While I'm excited to do every one of these shows and talk to the organizations, as a cat lover, I'm especially excited to talk to Jennifer Lamb today. Uh, She is of the Exotic Feline Rescue Center in Center Point, Indiana, where they have about 150 exotic felines uh, from around the country. Is, th- is that correct? I, I didn't, I learned about this probably within the last year. I did not even realize that we had 150 different types of big cats here in Indiana. Can you tell us more about your organization? Yeah, the Exotic Feline Rescue Center has existed since about 1991. Um, they started out with two tigers that were found in the back of a Volkswagen van and then a leopard. Um, the director moved here with those three cats and slowly started rescuing big cats. Unfortunately, there are so many big cats across this country right now that need homes. There's estimates to be maybe close to 10,000 big cats in private hands in the United States. Wow. The federal government um, kind of let the states regulate whether or not someone could own an exotic pet back in the 50s. They still regulate anyone who is open to the public, like a big zoo, like our rescue, things like that, and anyone who breeds. But private ownership of an animal went to the states. There still are states that have no laws at all. So there are states where you could move into a new house and there could be a big cat living in somebody's backyard. So you're just you're in a subdivision in Plainfield, Indiana with a lion walking around next door. Could be. Okay, that's so we define big cat for us. When we say big cat, what does that mean? We have tigers, lions, leopards, cougars. Um, we also have a few small cats like servals, bobcats. We've had lynx, things like that. Um, some of the smaller exotics as well. We primarily have tigers there at the rescue center. Mm. I think that is mostly because those are the ones that are in need of homes more than the others. They're harder to place at facilities. They're bigger. They're stronger. They eat more. So we try to take more of the ones we know are going to have a really hard time finding a home. Mm. And those seem to be the tigers. So we have a lot of tigers. Is So we were talking off air. I said I'm a cat owner. Mittens and Muffins both have different personalities. They're house cats. Uh, I'm sure if they were the size of a lion, they'd probably try and eat me. But uh, one is very affectionate. The other one is cold and aloof. Do these different breeds have different personalities? And does that play into why tigers are harder to place? Cats definitely, each cat has their own personality. We've got ones that, you know, will act exactly like the wild ones, others that seem to act more like your domestic cats, although you do have to remember that domestic cats are little killers as well. (laughs) Um, A lot of their predatory um, behaviors where they hide behind things and reach out and pounce on you when you go by is the same thing that these big cats want to do. They're practicing their hunting skills, and that's Mm. what makes them inherently dangerous. We've got cats, you know, they can be um, up to 600 pounds. Wow. So a 600-pound domestic cat in your house would be very dangerous. Right. Uh, lions are very much like domestic cats, and so are leopards in a lot of ways. They are very stubborn. They do what they want to do. They turn their face away from cameras. It's difficult to get them to take their little meds, things like that. <laughs> when they don't want to do something, they will actually just turn their head, close their eyes, and pretend like you're not there. <laughs> Tigers are kind of different. They were the biggest surprise to me because my first visit there um, over 18 years ago, all the tigers were talking to me. Really? They're actually the most vocal in captivity with the keepers. They have a lot of different vocalizations they make. They chuff, which is a greeting that tigers make when they talk to you. I know it may sound silly, but they go like this. They go, ooh. 
Mm. And that's a hello in tiger. Okay. They call to one another. They moo and whine because a lot of, if you record their sounds, tigers sound like cows. Really? A lot. Lions roar to one another, but they're kind of all, whether they're saying territory or talking to one another, they're just yelling really loud to one another. (laughs) But tigers actually talk to us. So in a lot of ways, tigers, in my opinion, are more like big dogs. Hmm. They love to play. They actually love water. They are excellent swimmers in the wild. They can swim long distance in open water and even close their sinuses and dive underwater. So tigers spend a lot of time in the water, even in winter if they can, get through the ice and play and splash and swim and sit there with their food. Right. But so that was a very different personality. Don't get me wrong. They are still perfect little killers, but they're kind of the goofiest killers I've ever met. (laughs) (laughs) Like uh, Winnie the Pooh. What's the the tiger's name? Tigger. Tigger, yes. So, so are they are they more common? And I imagine because you have many tigers, that may be the most common of the big cats that might be. You know, I remember Mike Tyson had a tiger, for instance. Is that because they're friendlier? Do you think? Is that what's the working theory on why tigers are more prevalent? For one, I think they breed very well in captivity. Unfortunately, for the tigers, they'll breed in terrible conditions. Um, they're very sought after by people, everybody. And unfortunately, with the age of Instagram and Facebook and things like that, social media, everybody wants pictures with things. And it's, right. instead of just going to a zoo and taking a picture of an animal in its habitat, it's gone to where people want to copy someone else's picture holding an animal, playing with an animal, swimming with an animal. So it has caused a lot of people to constantly breed babies. Hmm. And they can only use them. They cannot use them for the first month of life for the public to handle. And they're not really supposed to do it till it's about age three months when they get too big for the public to handle them. Mm. So it's something that makes them money for two months. Wow. So where would you, I mean, I'm not going to ask you where can I buy my own tiger, but I wouldn't even know where to start. I mean, I didn't realize that this was such an, I would say epidemic. I mean, 10,000 across the United States. Is it just the black market? Is how, how does this unfortunately you know, this is a legal market that they're ah, getting them from? Okay. Um, like I said, the federal government licenses breeders. Um, there are people out there breeding and selling them legally. There are certain laws like the Lacey Act where you're not supposed to transport a big cat across state lines without mm. an exemption. But if you can find a breeder in your state and you pay enough money, you can bring one home. And then as they get bigger and more dangerous and dif- more difficult, of course, they're becoming cheaper. Right, right. So there's a lot of bigger cats out there, adults, that nobody wants anymore because they're too strong. Yeah, so what if you were to acquire a baby tiger for your Instagram, what is sort of the life cycle of that tiger? I mean, how quickly do they, does the person usually go, I can't handle this? What are some of the stories that you've seen as people have brought these big cats to the Exotic Feline Rescue Center? About at six months old to a year is when people generally get rid of them. Although we got one last year, he was three months old. They didn't want him anymore. We got one before that from Minnesota. He was six months old. They didn't want him anymore. Lions and tigers are born about two to three pounds. So they're actually very small when they're born because a big um, predator does not want to show a weakness. So the babies are born fairly quickly. They're fairly small, but they can grow 200 pounds or more their first year. Oh, wow. So you're going to have at one year old a 200-pound animal that has instincts to pounce right, and bite. And they practice that. Um, little tigers and little lions want to do the exact same thing that little kittens do, constantly pounce and bite, pounce and bite, pounce and bite. They're practicing those skills. As they're getting a little bit, they're growing a little bit, 
that bite becomes very dangerous. I think, you know, even Siegfried and Roy in Las Vegas, these are professional trainers who, unfortunately, one of them nearly lost their lives when they were bitten by their tiger. They're just too unpredictable and they're too strong. And you can't expect one of the larger predators on this planet to not do what its instincts tell it to do. Eventually, these animals may realize that they're bigger than you and lash out. Yeah. And that's it's what they're supposed to do. That's what they're built to do. They're not b- meant to be pets. Right. So let's. Uh, so we're talking to Jennifer Lamb of the Exotic Feline Rescue Center, and you can find out more about them at efrc.org. They're in Center Point, Indiana, sort of out near Terre Haute. And uh, what is the typical day around the Exotic Feline Rescue Center like? <laughs> it's a lot of meat and <laughs> poop, basically. Um, there's a lot of care because we have a maintenance crew that's taking care of making repairs on any of the cages, um, anything that needs done around the center. But there's a huge crew of ladies out there that do nothing but process their meat, take their meat to their enclosures. We have a system where we always lock the cats on one side of their enclosure while the people are on the other side. So we're never in with the cats at the same right. time. Of course, very dangerous when they have their food, mm-hmm. but dangerous under any other circumstances. But it basically involves going out first thing in the morning and feeding 150 different cats, almost close to 100 tigers alone. Um, you know, getting their food ready, marking down what you're feeding them, going to the cages, getting them to move and locked into one section, getting their food and cleaning up all their messes from the day before. Right. It takes all day to do that. Um, we're also doing tours at the facility. We do tours from 10 a.m. and we'll start the last tour at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. So if you want to come out and see the cats, you can come out and we'll give you an hour guided tour and show you some of the cats there at the center. Great. Uh, so do they have like a free range? I mean, are they? I imagine you take great care of them and they have comfy homes. What, what do they live in? We just build enclosures for the animals that are, it's not natural to their natural environment, but natural to Indiana. We want them to have trees and plants and things like that. There's towers that they can jump up on. All our tigers have either ponds or tanks because they love the water. So they have to have water that's big enough for them to get their body in. Mm. It's another thing that takes all day is um, cleaning out those tanks. (laughs) Right. Tigers like to get in them. They like to take their food in them. So that's a lot of upkeep with the water. Imagine, it sounds like... uh 150, 600 pound toddlers. <laughs> it <laughs> is like a lot of work. Uh, well, you do great work, and it's so great to hear that there's somebody out there supporting uh, these big cats. And so we want to ask people to support you. And how can people go about that? How can they learn more about you? And what are the best ways to support your work? Well, we have fundraisers throughout the year, about one a month from May on to November. So come out to one of our fundraisers. Um, We have various ones throughout the year that are really great. Um, Beer Fest, just ones for kids in the summer, like a bonfire. We have a 5K race in May. But our biggest one is coming up on March 14th. We are actually having our Saving the Big Cats charity auction. That is our biggest fundraiser every year where we want to raise a lot of money to help support the animals. It's a really fun time because we have a lot of vendors and people that have donated some really great items. We have sports items. We have all kinds of event tickets. We have crafts. We have art. We even have a signed football that we're a Colts football we're doing this year. Um, We have a week long stay at a Hilton Head in South Carolina Mm. at a condo there, a stay at Clayshire Castle, which is out in Clay County as well. So, all different things that you can come and bid on. It's at the Montage, which is on Allison Point Boulevard. And again, it's on March 14th from 3 p.m. to 7 p.m. 
Uh, tickets are $75 or $80 at the door. You can get those tickets on our website. It does include complimentary beer. We actually have um, beer that's donated to us from Metazoa Brewing Company. So they're going to provide all the beer for it. and They're going to be out there at that event. And we also serve hors d'oeuvres. There will be cash bars available if you want other drink requests, but it's just a really good time to come out, bid on some items. We have two rooms of silent auction items available and one large uh, a live auction that goes on as well. Excellent. And you can find out more information. I saw it on the front page of your website at efrc.org. Again, that's March 14th, 3 p.m. to 7 p.m. at the Montage at 8580 Allison Point Boulevard. And uh, it looks like a very fun time. Uh, before we go, I want to ask, you, you mentioned that you went out there on a tour and then you ended up working there. Why did you fall in love with this, with the Exotic Feline Rescue Center and what made you want to work there and what are some of your experiences with the cats? Well, out there, it's very different than a zoo. You actually get to see the cats kind of up close. You kind of get to talk to some of them. Hmm. They'll talk back. You get to see their different personalities. But it was just the personalities of the cats, the fact that some of them were talking to me, and I could see Hmm. them up close and really start to make a connection with them. And I couldn't walk away at that point. (laughs) Started volunteering out there for many years. But it's the same thing with a lot of people. If you're an animal lover, it's really interesting to go out and see those cats up close to see their little personalities. Um, We have one named Bo. He's a white tiger. He destroys his toys. He plays all day long. He's a really funny guy. He's in your calendar. You have a beautiful calendar, and he is absolutely gorgeous. He is. He's a kind of crazy boy. Um, Like a lot of big cats... He doesn't like anything getting close to his food, and for Bo, that includes his own back legs and his tail. (laughs) So every cat there has a kind of different personality. We've got the grumpy old men. We've got the crazy youngsters. We've got a little one named Drago who's probably getting close to a year old. He's still all fluff, but he's huge. Uh So it's really funny to see him like that. We've got some really gorgeous leopards on the tour, bobcat servals. Servals are um, a small cat that comes from southern Africa. They're about 30 pounds. Everyone seems to like them as pets, but they're often given up as pets. So mm-hmm. we have a lot of those needing homes as well. And those are very much like domestic cats. They do nothing but hiss and growl at us. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Jennifer Lamb. I really appreciate it. And again, more information on the Exotic Feline Rescue Center can be found at EFRC.org. Jennifer, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you very much for having me. You've been listening to Now Hear This. I'm your host, Chris Spangle. If you missed any portion of our program, you can listen on our website, nowhearthisindy.com. Grab the podcast there, share it if you found this interesting, and help the, the organizations that we talk to out. If you'd like to have your organization featured on the show, please contact Gabby at 317-475-7407 or via the contact page on our website. Thanks for listening, and we will be back again next weekend with Now Hear This. Are you tired of wasting your time watching people argue about politics? Are you ready to learn how to take liberty-based solutions and bring them to your average person and get those ideas into action? Hi, my name is Brian Nichols, sales executive and host of The Brian Nichols Show. As a senior communications consultant in the greater telecommunications and cybersecurity sector, I've spent years working with C-level executives to help them future-proof their company's infrastructure for an uncertain future. At The Brian Nichols Show, I'm bringing my sales coaching and expertise to the liberty movement. Why? Because in Instead of focusing on winning arguments, we're teaching the basic fundamentals of sales and marketing and how we can use them to win in the world of politics, teaching you how to meet people where they're at on the issues they care about. 
Subscribe to the program at briannicholsshow.com and find the show on your favorite podcast app. Again, that's briannicholsshow.com. And oh, be sure to grab my free copy of my new ebook, Four Easy Steps You Can Take to Sell Liberty to Friends and Family, right now while you're there. One more time, that's briannicholsshow.com.